What's up, Internet? You're tuned into episode 71 of the Video Games Pals, the Internet's favorite podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host today, uh, Pete's ever-present co-host and antagonist, Andy Brown. I've staged a hostile coup. Pete's still here, but he's been subjugated to co-host. I don't I don't feel like it's that hostile if I'm here. Like, <laughs> I, I like, you were like... You know, I'm going to take over. I'm like, you know what? You try it. I've staged a friendly coup. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I woke up with the ass crack of dawn this morning and drove six ou- or five and a half hours to be on this podcast. So I asked my first mate here to steer the ship for a little bit. Yar. And like Whoa, the good yeah. pirate I am. <laughs> I'm out. It was a good show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Sean, you have to stay to talk about Spider-Man. I really don't. You're allowed to leave. I had a personal experience. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Pirate jargon is too far for me. (laughs) All right. And joining us today, as always, are the edge marquee with the heart and hair of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. I'm really glad I didn't call this like a a duchy takeover before because I like edge (laughs) marquee. I forgot how important they were. And rounding out the group is the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. So Does whatever a Guildmaster can. <laughs> and that is a lot, based on this last week. <laughs> so we're going to start off the way we sometimes do, and address the, you know, 80-foot-tall radioactive spider in the room. How's Spider-Man, guys? <sighs> Let me tell you, man, this game, this game is something else. Uh, I I think the best thing I can say about it is, like, the rose-colored glasses with which we view Spider-Man 2, like, the game that everybody remembers that game being is what this game actually is, but better. And, uh, oh, I'm, I'm really impressed with it so far. But, Sean, I'm so interested to hear what you, what you're thinking. Yeah, I like it. It's uh, it's fun. Um, it's it's obviously like you said the best Spider-Man game ever, but I don't think that that's a high bar because it's 2018 no. and Spider-Man Two came out a really long time ago. And I don't as, even think that's the best Spider-Man game before this one. Like, <laughs> well, whatever. Like as much as people enjoy that game, there was no way that a game that's coming out in 2018 made by Insomniac wasn't gonna be this. You know. Um, yeah, everything feels tight and fluid when you're when you're swinging around. It just feels great. I had a I had a few moments throughout my play so far. I'm not that deep, but uh, where I was just smiling because it's like, oh wow, this feels fantastic. I feel like Spider Man when you're swinging yeah. at, at the start and there are the the cop cars under you and there's all the commotion going on. It's just like this is what his life is like. And it reminds me of moments in the movies. Uh, I think it's Spider-Man 3 where he swings away from Mary Jane and the cop cars are under him, I think. And he's swinging uh, to wherever they're going. It just reminded me of that. It felt cinematic. Dude, this whole game feels so cinematic. Like, And I, I think like for a game that's all about action and momentum, that like is really that's a huge thing. Like, you said the, about how the swinging is fun, and, like, I think in any of the previous well-made Spider-Man games, like, the slinging is always fun, but it's never been like this. It's never been so fluid, you know? The fact that, like, 
you have so many ways to move around the map that, like, I just feel like you have so much fucking control over your momentum and how much you're moving. Like, it's fun to just swing. Like, I was playing the game, um, I've played a lot of it, considering I was away for a wedding all weekend, and, uh, they're, like, I got to, I don't know how far you are in the story yet, Sean, but, um, there was, like, a, a party for Aunt May that I, that I had, like, that I could go to as the next story mission, and I spent, like, several hours at the very beginning of the game just swinging around the city and, like, turning on the, like, Assassin's Creed-style towers that fill out the map and, like, looking for the backpacks and everything. Like, just playing the game mechanically is so fucking fun. And, like, that's hard. It's hard to get a game that's, like, just playing it on its face. Like, in a game that's supposed to be about story and exploration and all those other things, like, the slinging itself feels and looks so perfect like and use the word cinematic like the lighting in this game is so good the way he moves like the the flips that he does when you get to the end of a sling you know like it it just they got it right you know like and across the board like i think um i mentioned the collectibles the backpacks have you interacted with those much yet no have you found any of them yet no so they're really cool. Uh, they're like the main collectible in the game, and there's not a ton of them. I think there's only like 50 in the whole game. And every time you find one, it has a little like um, it has something. In, it's like Peter's old backpacks from high school, from when he was like young Spider-Man. And it'll be like like I found one where it was like oh like it's uh it's the menu from the restaurant I took Mary Jane to on like our first date, you know, and like it's a little anecdote about their history, right? Or like oh like. You know, here's this thing I found from, you know, uh, and, and like it, it shows you the ways in which Insomniac has like retold some of this Spider-Man's backstory, some of the things that are still the same. And like it's a really cool way to build out the world and incentivize me to want to find those collectibles other than checking a box or getting a trophy, you know, because I don't care about that stuff that much. But getting background on this Peter and his world is super interesting to me because I like the story so far. Right. Yeah, uh, and it's also a really intelligent way of, for those of us who are uninitiated with his story, kind of giving them that info, which I, I think is really cool. Uh, I I think so far, what I'm probably the least interested in or enthralled by is the combat. I think it's it's good, it's solid, but it's I mean it's it's Arkham. It's Arkham Asylum, and I don't even know that I enjoy it as much as I did in that game. So, I felt that way at first, but I'm wondering if... Because it, it sounds like I'm probably, like, a couple hours ahead of you, you right are, now. yeah. Um, like, do you know what level you are by any chance? No. Okay, so I think I'm level, like, six or seven now. So I've had the ability to start upgrading my trees and everything, and now that I'm, like, able to buy new attacks and stuff, and I've unlocked new gadgets and everything, I'm realizing that, like, there's so much nuance to the combat that wasn't there when it started. Like, um, like I unlocked this ability, uh, so, like, you know how there's that those attacks where you knock people up in the air, and then there's, like, the chain moves? Yeah. So I unlocked this ability that if I jump and press swear, he does that, like, classic Spider-Man swing kick, and you kick people up in the air, and then you can start a combo, and then I can web around their body and fling their body at somebody else and jump and hit that guy. And it it has a lot more opportunity for momentum than Arkham ever did, I feel like. Because Arkham, I always thought the combat was fine, but it felt, like, very, like, like um, stiff. You know, like, Batman felt heavy. 
And that makes sense for Batman. Like, you want it to feel like there's weight behind his hits. And, like, he's acrobatic, but it's like, you know, he's not Spider-Man. And I I feel like this, once you start building out your skill tree, it really, like, it gets it right. Like, it it feels like how Spider-Man would fight, you know? And, like, all the different So I'm going to jump in and just not, I haven't played Spider-Man, full disclosure, but I am going to push back on Arkham's combat feeling a little stiff because like Arkham's combat at the beginning of those games definitely like it is stiff and then like once you start filling out your flow with gadgets and shit like like the batarang the the explosive explosive gel you get the fucking you get that bat claw you hit a guy in the chest and like yank him to you into another guy that's coming to hit you then you you know roundhouse kick a third guy in the face it's like Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this ramps in a similar way, I think. Okay. But quicker, because in Batman, it takes you a while to get some of those gadgets. Like, I'm still in the beginning of the game. I haven't even gotten, like, like for context, right? Like, I think from seeing the E3 trailers and everything, we all kind of got the impression, like, oh, it seems like, you know, Wilson Fisk is maybe the main bad guy. There's, like, a Sinister Six kind of thing going on. Like, I know Mr. Negative gets in the mix in there somewhere. None of that has happened yet. Like, I put Wilson Fisk in jail, and I have not moved the story forward at all yet. And I've already built out a ton of skills, and already feel like my Spider-Man is getting stronger, and has more opportunities and, like, different ways to fight. And, like, I've unlocked a bunch of the alternate suits, and every time you get a new suit, you get a new suit power. So, like, those change the way that you can fight and everything. There's a lot more customization than was present in Arkham. And I like those games. It's not a dig at them. I just feel like... When you start playing, it feels like Arkham, and then you see as you get further the ways that they've built on that system and tried to add new cool. things and make it feel more like Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, and I, I I will say that the the nuances and the ways that it's different from Arkham are specific to Spider-Man in the sense that you can web yourself towards an enemy or web them to you or you know stuff like that. That obviously yank a gun out of their hand and stuff. Like, right. And shoot them. Uh, <laughs> my spider bullets but uh yeah i don't know it it just the the key difference for me for from a combat perspective is for with spider-man i i kind of feel like i don't know what it is but i was struggling to dodge it felt weird for me having to press circle to dodge uh down on the directional pad to heal it just felt like those buttons could have been placed better like intuitively i wanted to move the r stick to dodge because that mm-hmm. fe- it felt like it, that made more sense uh and intuitively i wanted to press r3 to heal so when it told me to press down to heal i was like why that's that's like out of that's we- in a weird place i will say you can remap the controls so if that's, that's like cool. if that's where your gut lies you should just switch it up that's um, cool i didn't realize that yeah, they, they do give you that, that ability, which is nice. Um, yeah, I haven't personally, like, had that problem, um, but I, I did find dodging to be really hard at first. I think my one criticism in terms of, like, movement and stuff, like, just how the game feels, like, the only thing that's felt clunky to me so far is um, I find sometimes, like, actually getting on a wall is tough because you have so many ways to... Like, if you press X, like, you'll spring off a wall, or you'll do this, or you'll do that, or you'll jump up. And sometimes when I want to just go forward and climb on the wall, it feels like it's, like, he's kind of like, oh, wait, whoops, okay, I get what you wanted to do. And that feels a little clunky. Like, some of the times when I've gone to get the backpacks, like, they're in, like, like, there was one where the backpack was, like, in a satellite dish, 
And I was like, how the fuck am I going to get up there? And, like, I really had to, like, figure out, like, what... And that should be easy. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's because they give you so many tools for movement that when you actually stop and try to do, like, I need to go right at this very tiny specific point that's not a ledge, it gets weird. Yeah, and, and, and also, I feel... I feel like he moves kind of slow during combat. Uh, just, like, actually walking around. Like, for example, they let you web up your enemies, and mm-hmm. you kind of just web blast them. And when you're doing that, you have to... And maybe maybe I'm just not deep enough into the game, but it seems like you're supposed to, like, aim at them and press R1 and web them. But when you're doing that, you can still move, and you have that reticle... And it's just kind of weird because the other enemies are also trying to attack you and you have to dodge that. So there's like, it's just a lot. And it doesn't feel like Spider-Man moves fast enough to accomplish everything that you're supposed to do when you have five enemies around you. Yeah, I uh, I definitely felt that way at times. Um, but it's something I've noticed I'm getting better at the game and I'm finding myself in that situation less and less. Like I remember the first time um, there's like, enemy encampments you know it's like fisk has like construction sites that are like you know uh like a front all over the city and you can go into them and then like you call the police chief or whatever and you're like oh i'm gonna check this out and the first time i did it it took me like four or five times to beat the first one that i came up upon because it's like you get surrounded by like 10 guys there's like four or five waves of enemies and it's like fuck like i'm not doing this smart enough you know and then i've realized that well if you start and you do stealth, you can make it through the entire first wave before anybody even sees you, and that makes it easier. Or you can use your suit powers. Like, I have this one suit power that you get from the Scarlet Spider costume, where, uh, or maybe it's the regular Amazing Spider-Man. Either way, you jump up in the air, and you just shoot webs at everybody who's around you. And that gives you a second where if you're getting your fucking clock cleaned, you can kind of push everybody back and heal and then get back into attack mode, you know? Or, like, now that I have all those, like, aerial attacks, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed. Jump up, swing away, swing back, kick somebody, and then start it all over again. And, uh, but I did notice that at first. Like, it, it often felt like I was getting, like, just, like, fucking mollywopped. Like, all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by three dudes and they're just kicking me in the fucking head, you know? Is it really a Spider-Man story if he doesn't spend the beginning of it just getting his fucking teeth kicked That's in? That's fair. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, as I'm getting new gadgets and new abilities and, like, new types of webs and stuff, like, I'm seeing it get easier and easier because I'm learning how everything fits together and, like, how I'm supposed to attack, you know? Like, oh, like, you know, like, the uh, one of the first, like, upgrades you get from uh, Otto Octavius is uh, you get, like, these impact webs that, like, shoot people back or, like, fling them up against the wall, and, like, that can take somebody out right away if you time it right, you know? Like, if they're next to a wall and you hit them, they're fucking done, even if they're at full health. So it's, like, you get a lot more ways to try and tackle things as you build out your character, which is cool because it incentivizes you to do the side quests, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But uh, overall, for me, so far, I think it feels right uh, from a storytelling perspective, just even the opening sequence where you kind of see the pictures that he has framed and you see the dead plant and you see his plans for, you know, his webbing, his web shooters and all that. Overdue bills. Yeah, it just feels like Spider-Man. Like that could have been, that could have easily been the opening of a movie. That could have easily been the opening of an episode of his of a television show. It feels absolutely pitch perfect. You can tell that Insomniac cares about Spider-Man deeply. 
and that feels great for me. They got the core stuff right, the stuff that has never felt this good before, that needed to feel good. You cannot, you can make the greatest Spider-Man game ever in every other way, but the web slinging, and that game will suck, right? Like that's a core tenet of that of this character, and they nailed it for the most part. Yeah. From what I from what I've seen so far, and that's great. The combat feels t- great. You're saying it gets even better. You know, it, it all just feels right. Yeah, the fact that the baseline is so strong, I'm like, wow, what am I going to feel like when I have my Spider-Man totally loaded out, you know? And I have all the gadgets, and I can do all of the stuff, you know? It's like, I think it's going to be really cool. And to take it back to the story real quick, um, I'm really impressed with that, too. And, like, so far, it's been really good. And I think, like, when we saw this game for the first time, I wasn't so sure. Like, I know, I remember we saw one of those first trailers, and we were not super impressed by, like, the facial animations and stuff, and I feel like the animations look really good, the voice acting is great, I love the guy that they have voicing Peter, um, I like that there are segments of the game where you play as Peter and not Spider-Man, because that's, that's hugely important too, right, like, no Spider-Man game has ever done that before, um, like, there's, like, this scene I said where, like, there's a party for Aunt May, and you go as Peter, and are interacting with people and doing your own thing. Like there's stuff where you're in the lab and you can like work on your suit and that'll get you more experience. And it's like a puzzle game. It like reminds me of like the locks in Bioshock, you know, where there would be like all of a sudden there's like that gold trail moving and you need to like set it up and get all the charges. Right. It's kind of like that. Um, so it's cool. It's cool that there's stuff like that that breaks it up too. And, uh, yeah, I just like overall from what I've played so far, I really feel like they just, they nailed it. They nailed it in the way that Rock said he did with Arkham, where you played Arkham for the first time. If you're a Batman fan, you're like, fuck, like, it just feels right. It sounds right. It looks right. And that's enough for it to be good. The fact that they went the extra mile and got a lot of those little details that really only matter if you're, like, already a Spider-Man fan, you know, like, speaks to me. It shows that they give a shit and that they really put a lot of time and effort into just getting the tone right, you know? Like, the one-liners are funny, you know? Like, he's always quipping, and, like, there's just all these little things that, like, if they weren't there, it would still be good, but because they're that good, it it, it sets it over the line for me. Where, yeah. like, this game would have to take a fucking nosedive for me to not think it's, like, a hard nine, you know? Like, even just in, like, the five hours I've played, you know? Which is, like, admittedly, like, a quarter of the game, you know, if I'm talking the 20-hour playthrough, but um, I'm, I'm loving it so far. And uh, I can't wait to spend more time with it. It's amazing. Well, I have a whole day off tomorrow, and I'm going to try and, like, beat the game. (laughs) I'm I'm glad to hear you guys are enjoying it. Uh, Pete, for reference, another friend of mine took Friday off and 100%ed the game by this morning. I also don't think he slept this weekend. That's very much my plan. Like, Like, after the show... He took Friday off, slept from 6 to 12 on Thursday, was playing at midnight Thursday into Friday... And just this morning was like pretty good game. Done with it forever, hundred percent. That's funny because uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna platinum. Who it. is this? Is this my doppelganger? Like <laughs> that's not fair. I thought I should do that only. Uh, yeah, my my goal is definitely to platinum this game though, because like the only thing that's gonna keep me from that is collectibles, and I want to find all the collectibles, you know, because I want the story. So yeah, I'm all in on this one, guys. Um, so yeah, I. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you gotta play this game. Like, if, even if you're not, like, if you have any interest in Spider-Man or, like, this game looks good, pick it up. I, I think you'll have something to enjoy. But if you're a Spider-Fan, like, not playing this game is doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. 
All right, and Thompson, you've been playing some new stuff this week games. too, right? Yeah, Who's playing well, anything but Spider-Man money, this week? So Fucking idiots! Wow, constantly, but yeah. <laughs> Sean, for the yeah, sake of this bit, theme, just... uh, I didn't want to spend sixty dollars. <laughs> uh, so Battlefield Five's open beta. Yeah, yeah. yeah how Pete? was that? Pete? <laughs> I, I was going to say, gonna say uh, I, this is actually a kind of a funny anecdote. So I, I know I told you guys on the show a couple weeks ago that I had pre-ordered the Spider-Man PS4 Pro. Um, it hasn't shown up yet, so I had to actually buy a second copy of the game so I could play it opening weekend. So, Thompson, you want an early Christmas oh gift? God, <laughs> You're crazy. How the, what the fuck? I, that's, we'll talk about True it. True Spider nuts. fan, um, baby. I went and bought damn. that shit on opening day. That's my second copy. I bought two copies before wow. I even played the game. <laughs> Didn't even play it and it has two copies at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, like I said, Battlefield 5's uh, open beta started, and I figured, why the hell not? Because I love I love the Battlefield games, you know. To you know, I didn't I didn't get a chance to buy Battlefield One either, but I love the beta on that, and I played it a few times on yeah. your house actually. Um, but you know, this one is really good. I think um, they're back at World War Two. The every gun I've used felt solid. The sound design is just incredible. You know, you can, you can literally hear like every bullet clinging like from the, sh- the casings hitting the, the ground, you know, and I was just gonna say, quick, yeah. quick question. Uh, have they, yes. so was this just for the battle Royale or is this for the whole multiplayer suite? I couldn't remember what I heard. Oh no, this is, this is, um, it's like they have a uh, two different modes you can do a conquest one where there's essentially capture the flag, okay. uh, with like, you know, five or six bases and you have like the classic battlefield stuff. There's tickets, um, which is like your lives and the more bases you have, the tickets drain quicker for the enemy. So that's the one mode. And then the other one I really liked, which, uh, very much a, a battlefield one kind of thing, um, where they, um, they have, uh, the, the map where you, you essentially have one round and one side wins, or loses doesn't matter, and then there's like a day two or day three event to it. It's almost like a yeah, campaign yeah, multiplayer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they call it, um, but they have that back, and there's like literally one map for each of those modes in this, and it's fucking fun. Like the the one um, map that's like that is in Norway, and so if you play as the British, you're paratrooping in, which you can shoot down the, tr- the planes oh, even. That's so cool. that's, that's fun really as hell. Cool. You know, because like it's like your spawn points go away every uh, you know if they get shot down, obviously. So that's hilariously fun, and playing the Germans on that is even more fun. I think just because you're entrenched, and I, I love having like defensive measures. Like that's that's my <laughs> shtick. I love it. So <laughs> that map is great. Um, but but yeah, like the sound for every gun feels amazing. Every vehicle, everything, um, the the artwork for you know like the graphics. You know everything looks like I feel like it should look. I'm I'm a huge history nerd, and I feel like they didn't f anything up, except. They have these reflex sights for guns, which I was like, damn, they weren't around, but that's okay. One thing ain't, the- <laughs> it's not going to break the game for me, but it's a little strange that everything is so accurate and like pretty much right where it should be. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, oh, the Pico. Oh, I'm here. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> scare me when Sorry. your camera goes off, man. Sorry about uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, basically it, it just, it just feels like it should feel like I, I, you know, you have an image of like, you know, what World War II looks like, feels like from movies and games and all that. And this just immediately just puts you right there. There's very little that isn't like right where I want it to be. And for having only like two maps, I've, I've had like an entire weekend of, you know, Friday, Saturday, um, I'm just playing this like pretty much nonstop. Like when I got, got a chance, um, 
the matchmaking is a little bad, but it's beta, so I don't know. Because, like, I've had a couple rounds where people start leaving, and, like, I don't know if we can change teams or not. So it was, like, 16 v 16, and then all of a sudden it was, like, 2 versus 16, and nobody's able to switch, and we're just, like, all right, sorry, guys. Like, this is 16 of us now. (laughs) Which really sucks. Yeah, no, it really sucks, especially that one round, it was the the paratroopers were the two, and, like, we just shot all the planes down, and they couldn't spawn, and we're like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) And this is why Um, you do matchmaking. So other than that, I mean... Exactly. I mean, other than that, like that's just something that you know I, I think they're gonna they're gonna fix. Um, I have I have like no complaints with it. Um, and I haven't bought a shooter in ages, and this really, really I, I love the Battlefield games, but um, I haven't really had a chance to get them since like Bad Company even, which is like forever ago. And it's it's you know really really fun. I gotta say, like it, it specifically the sound design is so good in this game that you really feel like you're there a lot of times. Like it's so just on point you know like the you can tell um you know you could be in a building and like there's destructible buildings and stuff and you can add sandbags and stuff so you can just be putting sandbags down here you know tossing them and you just hear like machine guns like chewing up the ground near you and you can tell like oh that was on metal that was on dirt that was on you know whatever wherever the bolts are hitting and from that alone i've been able to just pop up and be like oh he hit dirt so he must be firing from this angle and you know it's just wild what they did with it you know they really made it feel like it was like it was real enough you know like you can play just about any Call of Duty game and hear amazing sound and all that, but for some reason this one just dude clicks. You know, everything about it is just cohesive and beautiful. That's something I think DICE doesn't get nearly enough credit for. Like, they're just really good at sound design. Like, Battlefield 1 had great sound design. Even Battlefront, yeah, right? Like, definitely. as much as... as, much as oh, yeah, oh, yeah. As Fuck, many, man, those Battlefront Yeah, sounds. like, as many totally legitimate <laughs> yeah. criticisms as there are for Battlefront 1 and 2, the sound design in those games is immaculate. Right, so apply all that love and, and everything to this game in a World War II setting, and it's awesome. great. I mean, the, the first time I played it one round, I was I was just chilling in a building sniping people, and I hear what sounds to me like a like a Stuka dive bomber coming in, and I'm just like, come on, like, I didn't even know there was planes in this map. And all of a sudden, I get fucking blown up, because it was a Stuka dive bomber, and I was like, son of a bitch, they really nailed it, to the point where, like, I never even played this round or anything, and I was I just guessed, like, what fucking plane that was, so... So that just blew me away. Like, I can hear certain things. Like, I was like, oh, God, that's a, that's a flamethrower Sherman coming down the road. We're fucked, you know? <laughs> um, it, it's just incredible, you know? If, if this is anything like the uh, the main game, which, you know, obviously it's going to be to a point, but if they have enough of these maps that are, like, the, the multi-campaign kind of things that they introduce, I think those are brilliant. Um, they get people invested enough to give a shit when the round is turning bad at, you know, halfway through, and you're like, ah, we're going to lose. But depending on how bad you lose, the next day is even harder, you know? So it, it incentivizes people to actually try a lot of times. And a lot of people throw games when they're like, you know, oh, well, I died five times, I didn't get any kills, fuck it, you know? I've seen a lot of people not do that, which I... It's very hard to get people to care and be like a squad, you know, and try to actually... Short of playing like Arma or, you know, squad, it's like games that are basically saying do this or die. Uh, it's very hard for, for a shooter like that to incentivize a culture that does that. And I think they did a pretty good job. At least so far. So we'll see. We'll see if anything can fuck up, but this seems pretty awesome, good man. so far. That sounds fantastic, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you're fun. if you're into Battlefield or any of the dice games, um, the, the I didn't see anything that was egregious as far as like microtransactions or whatever. There's, there's cosmetics no for guns, and then way there's that this game is gonna have micro- microtransactions. Ex- <laughs> exactly. I say there's there's cosmetics for guns, and there's like attachments for guns, and that's it. I mean, that's pretty much it. There's nothing 
like what feels game breaking. Even having, um, you know, like the assault class maxed out, the the guns that you get aren't any really better than the other ones you start with. Like you start up with the the STG forty four, which is like a fully automatic assault rifle. Like that shit rocks, and like you could get every gun past the the you know the base level assault class weapon, and they have different stats, but like it's never obsolete, and it really doesn't make you feel like anyone's just gonna cream you just because they have levels, you know. Or they played more. I mean, right. like, skill, obviously. <laughs> awesome. I, like, was not interested in this game. I'm now a little interested in this game. So uh, Yeah, I mean... Invoice EA, have them send you a check. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I would say is, like, I didn't realize you had to download the stupid EA Origin thing for the PC to play it, and that was just, like, annoying yeah. for me at first. Because then it was like, also, you need to update your graphics drivers, so, like, just be prepared for a little bit of installation and probably updating graphics drivers, but it's definitely worth update it. Update your drivers cool. while you download Origin, and you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> So, uh, Pete, I'm feeling charitable, and I want to hand over the reins a little okay. bit. So why don't you tell our lovely listeners where else they can find it, or where they can find us, and what they can do if they charitable, love us. Charitable, he says. Is that code that's, for you didn't that's know That's code for Andy on. sucks at plugging things. So, oh. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> if you guys want to write in and let us know what video games you've been playing this week, hit us up with a random question, or just say, hey, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com, or you can hit up our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at the Pals Network. Uh, remember, if you're an audio listener, we would really appreciate it if you guys could give us a like on your audio platform of choice. Or if you really want to help the show out, you head over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated show. Give us one of those sweet reviews. Uh, and if you're a YouTube person, you can give us a like. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Um, turn on notifications so that you actually know when our videos go live. And last but not least, uh, just share the show with your pals. If you've got somebody out there in your life who's a gamer, uh, who's into comics, who's in any of the stuff we're doing here, you like what we do, you think they might like it too, give them a share. Let them know that we're out here. And uh, all those things are a huge help to us. And as Sean likes to say, uh, they help us a lot more than they cost you. So if you could do any of those things or all of those things, we greatly appreciate you. Especially if you do all of those things. Like if you do all of those things and write us an email to say, hey, I did all those things you just asked me to do. I'll shout you out. I'll say, hey, I love that person. They're my new best friend. Then we can hey, be I'll best use friends. Twitter again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Speaking of shout outs, we got some reading around this week. <laughs> Peter, you want to Yeah, so we've it? got a comment here from our buddy Jimmy, uh, the oldest and greatest uh, pal out there, and uh, a.k.a. Snake of Talons. And uh, he wrote in on our SoundCloud page for the episode, uh, which one was it? It was our Gamescom special, which was episode 69. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> so uh, Jimmy wrote in and said, hey, guys, I haven't been seeing your, uh, seeing your new stuff on YouTube, so I made a SoundCloud to catch up on your podcast. I wanted to give my input about who, uh, who from Super Smash Brothers fucks. Obviously, Bayonetta, and I like the take on King DDD. However, how could you guys not mention Mario? This dude is basically a 70s porn parody. He has a mustache, he's a plumber, and he's always trying to save his princess. This dude is all about the pussy. With how, with how many times she gets kidnapped, you would think they're doing some kind of kinky roleplay. <laughs> okay, Jimmy! <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
Oh uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, right, Jimmy. Jimmy. I I feel like he might be a like shorter Ron Jeremy, but uh, I'm not sure how much but he's actually he succeeding though. That's like, the my I've only never question. I've seen Peach so much as give the guy a peck on the cheek. You know, she's making cakes for him or whatever. But I feel like it seems like I don't know, man. He wishes that they were something. I don't know. Mm. What do you uh, think, Sean? I uh, <laughs> I have no opinion about this, and I would prefer it if we didn't write in to talk about this topic anymore. All right, so if you guys want to let us know which Super Smash Brothers character you think fucks, oh. <laughs> you listen. I'm just saying that if you write in, I will make Sean be the one to read your letter on the air, except for the part where you can't make me do anything. Good luck with that one. <laughs> Thanks for writing it as always, Jimmy. We love hearing from you, buddy. Appreciate it. Oh, yo, and let me know when you get a copy of Spider-Man. We were talking about that on Twitter the other day, but I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Make sure you write in and let us know. And with that, it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right! Wow! <laughs> Wow, he's trying to take the reins all the way back, but I'm not giving him back. It's not quite the breakneck pace of news we've had the last couple of weeks, where there was a lot of news the last couple of weeks. But we got some some meteor some stuff. gems. Some some gems. Yeah, I like that. So first off, Nintendo announced and then uh, had to cancel a direct this week, which was exciting and then sad. Um, it was supposed to... not like this, to my knowledge. I don't think so, but uh, they announced a direct for Thursday on Wednesday, and then Wednesday night in Japan there was a huge earthquake. Has that ever happened? <laughs> that took out power for like a big chunk of the country. Yeah, it was. It was so specifically have... hit the city of Hokkaido, where is like that's where the Super Mario yeah. uh, Party team is located. Yeah. Um, and so our hearts go out to all the victims of this earthquake, and also there was a tsunami that hit Japan earlier in the week. So just like everybody over there, you know, we feel for you. Stay safe. Um, Nintendo delayed the direct, said they were going to announce a new time and date for it soon, so it'll probably be sometime this week. But that didn't stop some of the devs from making their announcements nice. anyway. Um, Firaxis Games announced that they're bringing Sid Meier's Civilization VI to the Nintendo Switch. Let's go, fam! Which, oh my god, being able to take a full-fledged game on the road is going to be a problem. Andy, we'll actually be able to finish games now, though. I don't think we will. They'll still take nine. There isn't enough hours it on of the go. go time in my life to finish a Civ game once, let alone with a friend. <laughs> I don't commute enough for this to Seriously. make sense. This is cool. That's a cool announcement. We got... Yeah. Uh, it releases this November. Um, I think it'll be pretty cool. We also got a trailer for the Lego Harry Potter collection on Nintendo Switch, November thir- or October 30th. Yeah, they've been like just in time they've for They've been Halloween. teasing that one for a while, too. Yeah. And like, I never played any of the Lego Harry Potter games, but like, all of those Lego whatever property games are, you know, they're pretty yeah, fun. And I, they're not oh, go ahead. Sorry. life changing or anything, but they're pretty fun. Well, like, for these like collections, you're getting like four games for the price of one. Like, that's a good yeah. deal. That's a lot of content, you know? Like, if. If you're into Lego games or yeah. you know, Harry Potter, like you got a kid in your life, you got somebody who's a casual you want to play games with. These games are great because they're actually fun, but they're accessible. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, dating someone who's way into Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, like me, like I'm going to buy this and nudge, play nudge all of these games. <laughs> 100% going to happen. 
Yep. Uh, we also got Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition that's not just releasing on Switch. It's also releasing on the Xbox and the PlayStation, where the full edition of Final Fantasy XV launched <laughs> two years well, ago. I just don't understand. Like, it's I guess that's fine if people want to play it wherever they want to play it, but, like... Yeah, it's, it's the HD port of the mobile port of Final Fantasy XV. It's just like, what? hey, do you want to buy a D-Res version of a game you already could have bought or probably already own if you were interested in two years ago? Well, it's like... It's like not just de-res. They've completely changed the gameplay and stuff too. I thought it played kind of similar. I don't really remember. Like, it's I like, more like it. It like just tap. Right. It plays like a phone gamification. Yeah, okay. Like, uh, it looks honestly a lot like. God, what was the name of Nintendo's new phone game? Oh, uh, Dragalia Loss. Yeah, it looks like a lot like that on screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. But yeah, now it's coming to the Switch. If you. Haven't experienced road trip hangout times with your emo bros and want to jump back in for that. Um, I know I really loved Final Fantasy 15 in all its flaws and glory. I'm probably not going to pick this one up, but it's cool that it exists if you want it to. I guess. Yeah, like I love that game warts and all, but I have no desire to ever play it again. Like my experience with it was good. And I, that's mean, I might play I it again, yeah. but not this. <laughs> Um, there is, there was, <laughs> there was, uh, there was one more actually leak, um, that I, I, I saw isn't, um, in our, our specific, uh, breakdown here that I, I wanted to just call out, which was, um, they also accidentally leaked the title of that unreleased Yoshi game. Oh yeah. yeah I did see that. Uh, it, it's, um, Yoshi's, I think craft world or something like that. Crafted world. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it's crap. And it, it went up on, on the Nintendo.com. Like, it was seemed like it was probably, like, a timed post. And then it was up for, like, 30 or 45 seconds, and a bunch of people got screenshots or whatever. And then wow. it was down again. Yeah, it was yeah. it was not up for long. Um, but a what, ton of people were able to see it. What do people do? Do they just sit on popular websites and refresh all day? Like, 35 seconds, a small window. I know the dude, I'm exaggerating, like, it was probably a little longer than that, but the dude who broke the story, I remember, like, he's just a random YouTuber who was on, he was on Nintendo's website to, like, pre-order Smash or something, and they were like, other games you might want to pre-order, Yoshi's Crafted World, and he was like, what the fuck? Posted it on Twitter, immediately everybody else is like, what, what, what? And screenshot, 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 you know, so, you had him from a bunch of different Twitter users, bunch of different outlets and stuff, you could see it in different contexts, so, seems like it's totally legit, um, and just unfortunate timing. And I'm sure that when you get an announcement like this where a company (laughs) with as fraud of a relationship with the internet as Nintendo has announces and then cancels something like this, somebody's going to sit on their website and just refresh and see if there's anything they didn't catch. It's fair. Um, Because being able to break that story for the, you know, the cost of Hangout on Nintendo's website for 20 minutes, it's like, that's a risk reward. It's a great way to get some clout. For sure. But at this rate, are they going to have anything left to announce at the Direct? I think yes. Like, they got to show off the online service, Yeah, right? I think they're definitely going to show off the online service. They're going to probably reveal the rest of the NES games that they haven't revealed. I I don't think that this was the only Nintendo announcement either. I like, no, no shade at Yoshi. Like, I love Yoshi games. I never played Woolly World. By all accounts, people liked it. Like... I don't think that the title of a Yoshi game that they announced two years ago is, like, 
a bomb, you know? So, oh, yeah. like, But I'm sure they're going to, like, show off some more about it if they're saying, like, Yoshi's crap. And probably, like, a release unveiled. date and stuff. Like, I, I, I think that there's yep. more to see about that. But I also don't think that everything leaked. Like, I, I think that there's a good chance that, like, there's Metroid Prime 4 information that's going to come out. And that just didn't leak because there wasn't an automated title change to go up on Nintendo's website. You know, like, or some other bullshit like that. That was, like, scheduled on some back end that they forgot to change because, holy shit, there's an earthquake. Like, are our employees dead? Is obviously a bigger concern yeah. than fucking, you know, changing the the right. release time for the Yoshi title. And I have to imagine there's other things we haven't seen yet. Like, I don't want to, like, overhype people and be like, they definitely have more. But I just, I feel like they must. Because I mean, nothing not, we saw was that big. It's not a it's not a leap to say that that there were, that not everything leaked. I mean, that's it's obvious. This was not even, yeah. this was the name of a game. You know, like... It's a Nintendo yeah. Direct. We, we know how they are. Not to mention, we also know that they said that there was going to be 3DS information, and we didn't see anything about any 3DS games come out. Oh, so, true, like, true, there's true. definitely stuff left. It's just, like... Get some Luigi's Mansion looks. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of that. We already know the release date and everything, though, so it's, like, how much how much are they yeah. have to say? Um, it's still coming out, like, yeah. soon, though, so they might give it that last Yeah, I think push. that makes sense. I'm I'm wondering if we might not hear about that dra- uh, the Dragon Quest port that we talked about. You know, like, I wonder. Like, something like that. Like, there's yeah. got to be some stuff left that they were like, there will be 3DS announcements, and how much of that is first-party Nintendo shit? Probably not that much. Like, maybe one or two games, but, like, you gotta imagine. A l- Persona Q2 is not announced for the West yet. That would make a ton of sense. Just like, saying. Like, that would be easy. Like, they have a great relationship with Atlas. Those games sell really well. Like, you know, I, I feel like there's tons. Like, we haven't heard about Metroid Prime 4. They could show us more about Smash. Like, they could talk to us about the new Pokemon game. Like, there's any new Animal Crossing. Like, how many weeks ago did we talk about that rumor about how Nintendo was like, we have other new big Animal games, Crossing. you know? Like, <laughs> they could talk about Smash. They could talk about Metroid Prime 4. They could talk about Animal Crossing. Anything. It's all on the table, anything. baby. <laughs> uh, so I, I hope that you're right, and we do get some surprises coming out of this direct. Um, there's been a lot from Nintendo recently. We had, you know, two re- two weeks of in- Nindies Direct. This is going to be our third, like, if this had come out, it would have been our third yep. Direct in a month. And I'm sure that, you know, Nintendo doesn't traditionally go to Tokyo Game Show, but they're going to have some presence at Tokyo Game Show this year. That's in a couple weeks. I'm sure they have something around then to stay in the news here's my question to you guys do you think we're gonna actually see this direct like do you think they're gonna just put out the direct that they already oh, yeah. pre-recorded and everything at some point i think i yes. think so yeah I, like they already you know put money into it they recorded it um they recorded a dub for it presumably um so yeah i don't see why they'd you know waste that money when they can just say okay we're gonna air it thursday now Nintendo is not one to waste resources. <laughs> I mean, they kept the 3DS alive this long. It's not to say that this can have some life in it, you know? So so moving right along, and other people who aren't ones to waste resources, I guess, uh, instead of just letting an IP that I think should have probably died die, THQ Nordic picked up Kingdoms of Amalur from 38 Studios. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, dog. This IP has so much potential. This is a great purchase for them. 
Does I it? I think so. Yeah, dude. Like, Kingdoms of Amalur, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was, like, a great game, but it had a lot of great ideas. The gameplay was really sharp. The art was really cool. Fucking Todd McFarlane did the art, which was awesome. And, like, the world that they set up seemed like it had, like, like, there was a lot going on. There's a lot of room. Seemed. <laughs> seemed like it had a lot going on. It had... it. I'll agree with you on everything else to that point. Like, the combat system was really fun. The way you leveled up was incredibly fun. You could essentially create your own class out of nothingness. There's no story. And the little story there was, for me, of all people, I could not get through it. I could not beat that game. And that is one of the few games that I wanted to love so hard that I couldn't beat. It was, like, long as <laughs> fuck, like, too. It was, like, really thick. Um, well, it was it was tragic for me, because I'm like, wow, I'm, like, the highest level, like, cross-multi-mage assassin everything, and I can do anything I want. Why am I even here? Like, that's kind of, like, I kept hitting yeah, that point. Like, that's the thing, though, right? Is like, to me, like, that's why this is perfect. Like, it's the perfect IP to be, like, to get, like, another shot. Because, like, even if the story itself wasn't good, like I said, I think, that like, the bones of the world they built seem interesting. And if they can actually, like, get somebody to tell a good story in that universe, I think there's a lot of room for, for this to actually be an IP with some legs. You know? Like, I think the people that, a lot of the people that played this game really liked it. It just didn't pop off it didn't find an audience at like a broad in a broad way um which you know like if you're a triple a studio where all your money is coming from kurt Schilling's baseball money and then you make one huge game and then it flops you know it's like what the fuck are you supposed to do and it's like there's a lot of people who are untested yep. i think if they got like the a good team behind this i think there's a lot of potential for this to be a, a like a legitimate um ip you know that has that has legs it could be resurrected. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I I do have good experiences with this game, um, but it, it just seriously was one of the only games I never beat that I wanted to love. You know, it, it's, so in that respect, I felt disappointed by yeah. it. You know, because because it has a lot of potential, like you said, but I don't know it, how much they need to change to make it work and still retain the original framework. Um, you know, but I like THQ Nordic. I like what they do. So. I don't know. It's good for they me. They seemingly did a good job. Like, I don't give a fuck about Darksiders, but, you know, people seem interested in what yeah. they've done with that IP, I, so... I liked it. Of course you did it. <laughs> I'm it's, like one of the ten people... It's edgy Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you play as the Grim Reaper, pretty much. I mean, that's cool. You know, you have a scythe. I mean, come on, you have a scythe. The game's immediately good, so right. that's just to go by. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that this is definitely something to be excited for, but when I saw this news, I was like, yo, that's fucking awesome, and I really hope they deliver. I hope that they, like, get it right. Because I always thought Kingdoms of Amalur seemed like it had a lot of, like, just room to be an interesting universe that's worth spending time in. And I just feel like they never quite got it there. I, man, I hope you're right, but I never saw that. I'm not sure why THQ Nordic is spending money on this. It was probably not very expensive, you know, like. (laughs) That's true. It's like 38 studios crumbled and this is the only thing they own. How much could it have been to buy the rights to this? It's a good yeah, point. <laughs> but to go to a franchise I am very excited to see coming let's back. Let's fucking go, boys. Bandai Namco trademarked Katamari Damashi re-roll Ooh, in Europe. Let's. The game with that title has not been announced. The last time a Katamari game came out on console was Katamari Forever on the PS3 nine years ago. And then there was Touch My Katamari on the Vita. In there was a mobile one, too, I think, right? Like, I don't know if Touch My yeah. also came to iOS and stuff, but... I think there was, like, one other mobile game, maybe. Yeah. 
but with a name like Katamari Damachi Reroll, it's got to be the first one, maybe the first two Katamari games um, rolled into like an HD rework, right? I'm rolled into them, huh? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I fucking love Katamari, oh so I, I appreciate that. that. That's good. Uh, I, dude, I could not be more excited for this. Katamari Damacy is one of those IP where I'm like, why is there not one of these every fucking, like, three years? Like, those, those, these games are always yep. fun. They're super simple, but they're 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 just enjoyable. They're really weirdly fulfilling. They have that dope arcade, like, you know, do it as fast as you can and get the best score. Like, that's fun. That's a core principle of, like, just fun game design. And... Yeah, like, score attacks are fun. And, like, it's got a cute art style. It's a super unique idea. You know, like, it's goofy. It's weird. Like, I just love Katamari. Yeah, the king of space. Yeah, like... <laughs> it's the weirdest part of that game. It's yeah. got so much personality, you know? Absolutely. I am very excited for if this turns out to even just be, like... It's the first Katamari in HD, and it's coming to Dude, the Switch. I'd, I'd be fucking so Done. down for that. I don't even care. And, like, if it's good, we'll fucking get a new one. Fucking pre-order the specialist special edition. I would. I would. I would love if this came to Switch. It'd be a perfect Switch game. Games like this get announced, like Katamari Damacy, and I watch the announcement, and I'm like, wow, who in their right mind would play this? What the hell is this? And now I'm on a podcast with people who love it. <laughs> It's good, Sean. It's a good game. <laughs> All of us. It's a really good game, dude. I remember the first time I saw it, that was exactly my reaction. I was like, why is this a thing people care about? And then I played it. I was like, it's fun. Yep. It's just fun. It's yeah. It's simple, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, fun. Same boat. Yeah, really. I, I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to enjoy this. And I played it, and I was like, this is so much fun. I can't believe how much fun this it's is. Just, it's got a weird charm to it, man. And like, and the game design is just tight. Like, it's it's... It's a surprise, like it's a, such a simple idea, but they do such a good job of feeling it out, you know, and and making it feel like something that's like they they managed to innovate on it a ton. Like there's been like five or six games, and all of them are good. You know, at least everyone I've played was good. Yeah, I'm like way into this series. I think it's due for a comeback. I think like it speaks to a lot of people in its weird, like. Just, like, have fun ethos. And it's, like, not hard to be good at. Like, it's a game that, like, if you are good at it, there's more to do. But you can play it and be just fine at it and, like, have a good experience. Because it's just, it's not punishing, right? Like, it's just, like, do this fun thing, and if you fuck up, try again. It's also really fun to hear all the people screaming as you roll them into a giant massive ball of death. I mean, (laughs) there's there's a lot of things to get enjoyment out of it. You can can kill God. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many weird things can Japan. we think of? <laughs> so so our next one is it's a bit of a walk, so I need you guys to go with me. Let's 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 go um, for a walk, Andy. Let's go. Yeah. Let's let, let's take a hike and talk about microtransactions. Everybody's favorite topic. Taking a hike talking about microtransactions so, college tour. <laughs> so, so, uh, in an interview with TrustedReviews.com this week, uh, the senior producer of NBA 2K19, whose name I forgot to write Good down. Good job. Hold on. Uh, Going to take another stab at that once <laughs> I, you know, click this link. Sorry, Phil. 
Okay. This is the last one before the main topic, right? Cool. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, we're trucking. Uh, uh, yeah. So in an interview... Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> go, go. No, go one more time with feeling, everybody. <laughs> yep. In an interview this week with TrustedReviews.com, uh, NBA 2K19 senior producer Rob Jones uh, addressed the issue of virtual currency, which has always been kind of a controversial part of the annual basketball series. Um, for those of you at home who don't know, um, virtual currency is is what it says, right? You either earn it as your like salary in the My Career mode and you get it through playing, or you spend money on it in real life and you use that to upgrade your stats or to buy packs in their like uh, my team mode. But what he has to say about it is every game at some point in some way has currency and they're trying to get additional revenue from each player that plays the game. You know, the question has to be, when does it feel like it's a straight money grab versus when does it feel like it's value added, right? We know nowadays most people just don't have the patience to work their way to the top. They just want to be there right away. So, you know, we look at it as, oh, it's an opportunity for us to allow you to skip the grind. But then if the grind is too long, like some people felt last year, they're going to sit there and they're going to go, well, you know, the grind was too long to begin with. And so I just want to push back on his some people claim. Uh, NBA 2K17 on Metacritic right now is sitting at a hot 1.7 user score entirely because of these microtransactions. Fuck, I didn't realize it was that uh, bad. Jesus. Uh, that's bad, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is that out of 10 or 100? That's that's out of 10. Okay. It's even worse um, if it's 100, but... <laughs> God, that would be insane. Uh, whereas the, the critic score is like an 80 out of 100. Okay. So it's like people who don't have to deal with the microtransactions don't mind the microtransactions as much. Funny how that works. Um, but... Rob Jones does say that 2K has improved on that problem uh, in 2K19, which comes out this week. He's saying, we're hoping by rewarding you more that A, you won't need to go in and get as many things with the virtual currency, and B, you won't feel like, you know, oh, this is how they're getting me. You can now participate in other things to get what you want. So I just, what do you guys think about his whole premise? Yo. That you have to monetize your game past release somehow. The, the first thing he talks about is the grind, and if, if he thinks that's an issue, just lessen the grind to start. I mean, seriously, like that to me seems like an obvious one, but if they want to have that in, that's his choice. Well, you know, and then they're going to talk about having the microtransactions and the ability to skip all that, you know, because it might be too much or whatever. Well, you designed it that way. I mean, I don't play the games, I don't know how bad the grind is, but. You know, if, if, like P was even saying, you know, if you have, if with Spider-Man, you have the backpacks, they're optional. Like, if it's just optional cosmetic stuff and that's the grind he's talking about, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, assuming this is stuff that actually affects the game, right? Oh, no, like the grind is, um, so in the my career mode, you make a player and your player goes into the NBA and the grind is how you buy stat points to become a better basketball player. So they're basically selling you the ability to just make your character better. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So for me, like, Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think that there's there's two layers to this, and it's what I come back to every time we talk about microtransactions. I think what he said here, there's the specific line. You know, the question has got, uh, has to be when does it feel like a straight money grab versus when does it feel like it's value added? Right. Right. That's exactly it. Um, I think based on what we saw here, right, with NBA Two K uh, Seventeen, like or eighteen, which one was Two K Eighteen? Uh, yeah people pushed back because it was too much it was over the top 
and I don't I don't think that's up for debate, right? Like they seem to recognize that, and they're trying to course correct now. And I think I, I think I agree with what he's saying in general. Like I I definitely have come down on the devil's advocate position of. Uh, defending microtransactions because realistically, uh, AAA game development costs a ton of money, and you need. There are certain kinds of games that I do think need secondary sources of revenue to be profitable, or to be profitable enough to continue to make them annually and and innovate on them. Um, so I don't I don't think there's a problem with microtransactions on their face. It's how you're using them. If it does feel like you're nickel and diming me, that's not acceptable. Uh, something that Sean always brings up. If you're locking content that's on a disc behind a paywall, that's unacceptable. I think, to his point, though, um, I think he's right. Like, most people don't have the patience to, or not even patience, maybe time, right? Like, to work their way to the top in a career mode. And I think if it's not multiplayer-centric, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's when you're paying money for something that gives you an advantage over other players in a multiplayer setting, that's not cool. Um, but if this is just for the my career mode and it's just for your personal character, that well, you're oh, can you do that in multiplayer? Yeah. So like a big part of the the my career mode is like also jumping on and playing like street ball games against other people's. My so that's where characters. it gets sticky for me. I don't think you should be able to pay for an advantage in a multiplayer setting. Like that should be competitive. And the way to make it competitive is to make it skill based, not you know. Um, I think even stuff like the ability to, like, level out your character to a point where you... I've played for 500 hours, so I can wipe the floor with anybody else just because my character's beefed up or because I paid more. That's not cool. Um, but this is a be- this is a different kind of game. This this, is, this isn't like yeah. that. Uh, and, and there are other kinds of games that are similar to this, like wrestling games, which 2K also produces currently. Uh, in, in those games... The progression path is time-based, and it makes sense that it is like that because in the 2K games, they're trying to emulate what it's like to be a real basketball player, and real basketball players get better over time. So that it makes sense for your character right. to do that. On top of that, you don't have to play that way. If you want to play competitively online or even with friends in your house, you can pick a regular NBA team. So it's not, it's not one-to-one like it would be in a fighting game. So you can you can compete without any of the like custom characters like yeah. that's an option. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. That is an option. There are ways to compete with the custom characters. I don't I don't really see that as too much of a problem. Then honestly, like if you can avoid it, like as as long as it's not leading to it, like he says, as long as it's not a place where you're feeling nickel and dimed or where there's an unfair advantage to players who are willing to spend money. Which I guess there is in this one mode, but you know. What are you going to do? I've played every 2K game for the last, like, seven years, and I've spent zero dollars outside of the initial purchase. That's and all I need to hear. And you can you can do that, and you can have a grand time if that's what you want to do. And back in the day, when you used to have, like, for example, the old wrestling games, they would have locked content. And you there was no way to have microtransactions, so you would literally just have to play through the game to unlock the characters. And it took time. That was the only thing you could do. I guess there were some cheat codes online for some of those games. But other than that, you just had to play through. And now, you can pay money 
to skip the part where you have to play the game and just unlock everything. That's a choice. People who complain about that are ridiculous. Is the grind too long? I can't speak to that because I never played it. It sounds like people feel like it is. But these games come out every year. And if you're going to play the game for a year, why is it a problem for you to have to work to get the stuff over the course of the period of time during which you're naturally playing the game? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think as long as like what Thompson alluded to, as long as you're not artificially inflating how long it takes to do those things to incentivize you to spend money, I think it's fine. Like yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with if people want to lessen the time they spend with the game by spending money, that's their prerogative. And exactly. I, I really don't care. Like really. Like ultimately it doesn't fucking matter. If that's how you want to spend your money and that's how you want to play the piece of software that you bought to have fun, that's reasonable as far as I'm concerned. So I think in principle I agree with you, but I do like I haven't played the last seven years of two K games, but I played the last NBA two K the last two, right? I put like four hundred hours into NBA two K seventeen. And then I picked up NBA two K eighteen, put ten hours into it, turned around and said going back to two K seventeen. Because like I did feel like the grind was incredibly overtuned. It's possible that it was. Um, Everybody's experience is unique. And and maybe they dropped the ball on that one. But I also don't think that that's... I don't think that in a, in a franchise where you release a game every single year, that dropping the ball one year in any way is egregious. You know, because you have the one thing that's good about releasing a game every year is that you have the ability to switch things up and then have the next one respond to the critiques from the last one. So it's not like this is the only game that you're going to get for the next three years and you got to just deal with it, you know? Like, they're coming out with yeah. a new one that will fix the problems. I do think it's it was enough to push me to the competitor, though. Like, I'm not intending to pick up NBA 2K19. You're going to play live? I... I really enjoyed live. Plus, it's got my boy Joel Embiid on the cover. <laughs> All right, man. That was one of the most genuine laughs I've ever heard from you, and I I love it. <laughs> I hear live, I laugh. I don't know. Who's fucking playing yeah, NBA I, live? I think... <laughs> they made Me? an entire NBA live game and then sent it to people and then decided not to put it out because <laughs> it was so shoddy. <laughs> That happened eight years ago. And they've been one since then. <laughs> Wait, that's a real thing that's that happened? That's a real thing that happened. Like, sure, they s- scrapped the series, rebuilt it from scratch. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that has any bearing on I how like, they are now. I'm just saying it's hilarious that it got to that point. Yeah, in, in the same way that I think Madden has suffered for not having a competitor for a long time, I think that not having real competition has, like led to 2k being the only basketball game in town that's true of like and... all sports games like when we were yep. kids there was like two significant genres for like every major sport um and wrestling and like now there's just one company that makes every game like uh i forget who it is the sony uh, is it sony oh sony gets they do the show the the yeah, baseball game the show which is yep. like the one big baseball game now 2k does basketball Madden's NFL and like nobody cares about hockey. right right well and there's like there's the NHL whatever the fuck it's called that's yeah. game and then there's there's FIFA but it's like there used to be 
competition. You know, like, I remember back in the day, like, in the PS2 era, you had Madden, you had NFL Blitz, you had the uh, NFC, NFC, right? Is that college football? No? Uh, no. NCAA. NCAA. So, like, there was there was options, you know? And, like, Madden, whoever right. else had to make the best game to get your dollar. And now it's just like, you'll fucking buy it. There's no other basketball game. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, it's like, that makes me sad. Okay, so we got one more news item this week, and it's going to take us right on home through our meat and potatoes. And it's an interesting one. Not for what it is in, like, the news, but what it says more about, like, game culture to me. Polygon's not putting scores on its reviews anymore. They announced this week um, they're not doing it because, quote, We equally want our writers and video makers to experiment with how they analyze, criticize, and recommend games and to push beyond the tired structure and language of review scores that is accumulated like verbal plaque. They also said this doesn't mean they're anti-review scores, which they acknowledge can be very helpful in their efficiency, and said that they don't want to abandon or shame readers who traditionally rely on scores for their brevity and utilitarian function. And instead of scores, they're going to be doing uh, two things. They've got Polygon Recommends and Polygon Essentials. Uh, Games that they're comfortable standing behind and saying, you should play this, are going to be Polygon Recommends games. And the best games a console has are going to become Polygon Essentials. The comparison they make is that Polygon Recommends games are the nominees and Polygon Essentials are the awards. Okay. That makes Um, sense. So... What do you guys think about this? And and more broadly, do you like think this is useful or helpful? Uh, do you think that scored reviews are a better way to go? I'm just interested in sort of checking the pulse on the room because Kotaku abandoned review scores a long time ago for a like they had originally like an up down. Should you play this game? Yes or no. And then they've since stopped doing that even. And I kind of really like it. Like, I like reading a review and digging in and, I don't know, some, sometimes putting a number at the end of something feels reductive. <clears throat> so I agree with you, and I agree with this this stance. I don't think that review scores are valuable in any tangible way. Uh, <clears throat> I think the one thing that review scores are good for is when a game first comes out, if you don't want to read a review. Like, I didn't want to review read a review of Spider-Man until I had played it because I didn't want other people's opinions to color my own and I didn't want to know anything going into it. So, um, the only thing that I listened to or read before I played the game was I listened to uh, my favorite podcast, Kind of Funny. They did, like, a spoiler-free discussion where it was just like, did we like the game, yes or no? And talked about, like, stuff that we had already known, like, mechanically, how does it feel, all that kind of stuff. Um, similar to what we did today. And I find stuff like that to be way more valuable. I would rather read a full article or listen to a podcast discussion to get a sense for what people think than to just look at a number. Because I think it is reductive, and I also think that it that is the biggest um, contributor to bullshit attitudes about game reviews. Like, there's, like, I fucking think it's so fucking annoying. Like, you know, like... We've talked before about the YouTuber Dunkey, who we're big fans of, but, like, he, like, specifically called out in his uh, game reviews video of just, like, oh, like, it sounds like this guy fucking hates this game, and he gives it an 8, right? And it's, like, I I think that's stupid, 
in, personally, like you can criticize the game up and down and still like it. Uh, but I think the fact that you can easily go and see, see, there's a paragraph where he's super critical and it sounds like he hates this game, but he gave it an eight IGN's paid off or they just give everything positive reviews. It, it, the narrative writes itself. Whereas when you just have oh, the written word, when you just have your opinion, here's how I felt about it. It's up to the reader to read that and interpret what that means, you know, and be like, oh, it sounds like he really liked this. I like this kind of game too. I'll play it. Not oh, it's a nine, great, or oh, I, I hate this game, it got a nine, that's bullshit, or oh, this game's perfect, it deserved a ten, like, and then arguing about what a ten is and all that kind of, like, that all gets in the way of actually talking about the game. We talk about the score and how the game was scored rather than how was the actual game, how does it play, what did you feel about it, what did you think about it, how did it make you feel, and I'm way more interested in hearing that, you know, I'm way more interested in a uh, an in-depth review that that goes and gives that personal angle, not scrolling and looking at a number. And that's only useful to me if I want to just get a cursory glance of, what do people think about this before I make a decision myself? And it's, I don't need that. If that went away, that would be fine. I absolutely agree with that. Um, especially, like, your issues with it, like, taking away from the conversation about a game and making the conversation about... Like the numbers, any chance you know? I can break up the I agree with you conversation to offer another yeah opinion. go for it uh, I think that what you go guys are saying is ridiculous because you can have both you can have in depth conversation about a game but also have a score because not everybody has the ability to sit there and read through a very long review for a game or for anything some people really just need that first paragraph, that last paragraph, and that score. And for them, that's enough. As far as toxicity goes, you could literally just have them write, I like this game, it's very good, and there would be toxicity. Toxicity on the internet is toxicity on the internet. You're never going to escape that. The reason why IGN gets bat blasted is because people are stupid. That has nothing to do with IGN. It doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with review scores. It has to do with dumbness and you're not going to escape that polygon i don't know their culture in terms of their fan base but if they have toxic people those people aren't going away because they don't do reviews anymore that ain't changing the conversation about games is nuanced and it always has been and it always will be because there are people who can speak eloquently about these things and express themselves whether it is the reviewers or the fans and those people exist in the review section it, that these people exist as reviewers of Frygen and Polygon and Gotaku and whoever else, but they also exist in the comments. People mm -hmm. just love to associate themselves and focus on the negative. That's what this whole conversation has been. And that's just not a real picture of what the culture is. That's a picture of what the culture is that people want to show and that people want to talk about. But that's not all it is. I love going to IGN and reading their reviews because they are interesting. And I like the score because it does give me a concrete idea of what this person thought beyond the written word. And I love going into the comments, not to see the trolls, but the people who agree or disagree and why. And I think all of that is important. And you can have that with a score without a score, but I don't think a score negates anything at all because the written word is still there it just happened and if you like to read that read it and if you don't like the score don't look at it but if you like the score see the score i don't think this changes anything at all so i i the 
I guess just to push back on that, I think it changes it because it enables people to just do the skim job and not really read the review. And I think like, to your point, if you don't want to read the whole review, that's what videos are for, right? Like watch a three minute video, watch a tight summation of the review. But I don't have time. Instead. I want to. I want to. I want to read the intro. I want to read the outro. I want to look at the score. And if people want to do that, they should have the ability to do that. I don't see how that. I don't. I, what does that change? That doesn't change anything. If you want to, if you want to see a number, see a number. It's it's not a problem. That's overblown. If you don't, do you if think? you personally don't like it, I can understand that. But how does it affect you? If other people like it, and that's how they—that's how they get their opinions fed to them, or the opinions of others fed to them about games. Um, I mean, just for the reasons I pointed out before, like, and I, I would say that I, I agree with what Polygon's saying here. I wouldn't say that I'm anti-review scores, but I don't—I don't think they add value to the conversation. But I think to your point, if that's how somebody wants to take in their scores, like. That's your prerogative, man. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, I I really do appreciate how Kotaku has changed things, though, for their reviews. Um, I like reading the whole thing and having a takeaway rather than a, in summation, here's how I felt about the game. Like, I, I like reading the whole experience, like, getting that whole, like you said, but you can do that with IGN, you can do that with anybody else, but I think most people don't, is the thing. They look at the, they look at the number, and that's all they get. Where are you getting that from? That where are you getting that opinion from? Just from listening to people who work at those websites talk about it. You know, if like um what what's the heat tracking or whatever it is. There's like there's a thing that you can do on websites where you can track where people go, right? And to your point, most people interact with reviews by reading the top paragraph, scrolling all the way to the bottom, reading it and looking at the review score. And like that's just what most people do. And I think like at the end of the day, like you're, you're right. It doesn't really matter, right? Like, this is how games criticism has operated this long, and we've done just fine. But I, I would say that I, I agree with... Um, I, I agree with, with, with what they're saying here, is that I think that when you push beyond that, you open up the ability to talk about games in different ways and to not be so focused on the score, right? And like, oh, well, I really like this game... But it had this problem, so, like, can I give it this score? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you get you get wrapped up in the number as opposed to just saying what you want to say. I feel like every review I've ever read said what they wanted to say. And then they had a, a number associated. Like, I don't care about 90% of games that come out. But I like to read, I like to see what other people think. But I don't mm-hmm. care to sit and read a whole, you know, three-page essay about the game. I just want to know, did you like it? That's it. And give me a number, and I'll go home. Uh, that's fair. You know, and I think in that scenario, that makes sense too, right? Like, if you don't really care. Um, I, something I like, and this isn't, like, from any .com, like, Reddit, uh, our gaming does a good job of that. Whenever a game comes out, it's like, hey, here's all the review scores, here's paragraphs from all of the things, so you can get just a general consensus of what do people think about this, you know? Um... And at the end of the day, I guess that's not that much different than what you're talking about, right? Like, just getting that, that quick hot take. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I feel like if we're, if I can compare to movie criticism and sort of aggregation like that, I get much more value in the sort of, like, Rotten Tomatoes, what percent of reviews were positive than the Metacritic, like, 
this is the aggregation of all the scores people gave it. Um, and I think that the video games, I feel the same way. Like if a lot of people like a game, that means more to me than like a lot of people like gave this game an eight. Um, if like 90% of people like it, that is more telling to me than like an average score if but that makes liking sense liking and disliking is uh, super binary there's so much more in between that that matters i that's a good point yeah i don't know oh. i i at the end of the day i think that that's a, that's all really a review what is though like like at the end of the day the review is do i like this thing no, or do i not there's a million things i like that i would never recommend to you there's a there's yeah. a million things I like that I could explain why in very nuanced ways, and there's other things I like that I could never explain why I like them, and that's so important. And why something is better and, than and how does all that translate into another? Because if I first of all that was not my argument. My argument was not your argument is that saying that you like something. Or dislike something is enough for you versus like a 70% or a 90%. There's a gulf of difference between those two. And you can't compare them. If if I think if I think that Spider-Man is the greatest game of all time. And I really like uh, Smash Brothers. But I don't think it's that good. But I like them both. What information do you get from me telling you I like them both? You don't know anything about what I thought about them. Really? Yeah. A 65% is passing. Right, and to piggyback off that point, I think that does talk about like the the nuance that we're looking for, right? Like, there's a lot of nuance in my mind between a game that's good and a game that's great, right? Of like, I I liked Octopath Traveler. I love Spider Man, you know. And I think even if you want it to be as simple as did you like it or didn't you like it, you then you end up in the same thing, and it's going to be a five tiered review system. Just did I, I really, I hated it. I kind of disliked it. It was neutral. I liked it. I loved it. And then you're back at a five-point scale. Yeah, true. I don't know. I I don't think that re- review scores are meaningless, but I do like to see, I don't know, Polygon experimenting and trying to get away from that. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I still stand by that point. Um but, yeah. but I, I think what Sean's saying definitely has a lot of validity, you know? Uh, I, I think, you know, you're not wrong. I just, I think I don't, like, I personally don't want to see a number, so... It's great that you have places you can go now that you don't I don't care as much about seeing the number. Yeah, exactly. I think if that's what Polygon wants to do, that's great. And I think that's perfectly fine. I just don't think... Uh, I don't I don't like the idea that the number is you know evil. It's the people who mess these things up and you will never get away from that. So I think if they're right. trying to get away from that problem, that's not going to be effective. If they feel like there's a more in-depth conversation that can be had by removing the number, then I'm interested in seeing what that what that looks like. I'm really interested in it because I think it's done, in my opinion, it's been a really good development at Kotaku. I'm way more likely to read Kotaku's reviews now because they don't have the number. Um, And I think that's good, incentivizing me to actually engage with the content 
is is valuable. Um, so I, I I'm interested to see how Polygon handles it. You know, I hope I hope that it I find it to be similar similarly valuable. Yeah, like I I really got a lot out of their Spider Man review, which I kind of only read because I saw they were moving to unscored reviews, and I was like, how's that gonna work? And it's like I thought they had a lot of interesting stuff. Thompson, where do you land on this, man? So I, I have a very interesting view on reviews because I haven't really read reviews in at least like four or five years. Passing like a Steam review might be it, but I have never in in the last half of a decade sought out a review. Uh, I like so many bad games that I don't think <laughs> that they're for me necessarily because I like to see, you know, the whole thing when I was younger, I, I loved seeing the number for a quick glance and just going through it and just seeing like, well, that's like a four, I can't touch that because like money, you know, tight and all that. Um, I don't think the number ever hurt me in a way, like for, for my opinion on it, um, because I did try tons of games that were rated incredibly low because I got something out of them, you know, and, and I realized a long time ago that, that, you know, obviously every review is subjective to a degree and it's just a framework for me to base my opinion on it. So really, really for me, I don't, I don't think it's bad. They're going to get rid of the re- the number, but I do think for me, like, I'm not going to check it out because I, I like to see, you know, a cap on it, something that I can just glance through. Um, you also, you also watch like a lot of impression stuff. Like you follow guys like, like, uh, Jim Sterling and like, he doesn't do reviews as much as he does. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of things I'm, I'm usually, I'm more into just trying to experience it for myself because, you know, like, oh, I, I do like a lot of bad games that I've found incredibly good times in, and not just cause they're broken or bad, just because maybe they were rated terribly and there is something good in there that I like. And, and just be, you know, you could have 10 parts of the game that are busted and if one's good it might hook me you know i i like i divine cyromancy i bought that shit for a dollar i still put like 200 hours into that game and it's considered to be one of the worst games i've ever seen i'm like you know it's just it's fun it's stupid fun you know it's source engine game that's just a lot of fun for me but it's not a game i'd recommend for a lot of people and if i was ever going to give it a number i would be a very low number that people would probably just be turned away from um you know, it's it's one of those things too that we we had mentioned earlier that the the one NBA game got a 1.7 because of microtransactions, and that's purely just because people were tanking it because of the microtransactions. The discourse about what the game offered or how it played or anything is irrelevant once you're talking about just that. So I always took those those things with a grain of salt. You know, like a one out of ten doesn't mean to me the game is unplayable or even bad because it's just maybe everyone thinks that, but maybe there's something there for me. So, I really just, like, I have pretty much not, like, actively, but I have pretty much avoided reviews for, for like, a good part of five years now. Um, I do like to see the number on Steam when I pass by and it says, like, mostly positive or mostly negative. I mean, if something's sitting at, like, 30%, I'll be less likely to even, like, you know, give it a shot, right? Just because if that many people think it's that shitty, it's probably not playable, you know, because it's a Steam thing. So, it's probably just an actual matter of unplayability. That's a different you know, ballpark than, uh, like IGNs or, you know, any other review site that, you know, can give a aggregated score or even Metacritic or anything really. But I haven't really been in touch with those so long. So I don't really know what the standards are. I mean, you mentioned like when people say like, oh, this is a 10 and then people go, what is a 10? You know, I, I question myself a lot of times when I, when I walk away from a game like Final Fantasy 15 and I was like, damn, that was for me at the time, a 10 out of 10. I look back, no, that's not a 10 out of 10 for me. I still love the shit out of that game. 
but there's no way I'd, I'd say now it's a 10 out of 10. And then I think another thing to consider is when I see those numbers, it's, it's a matter of, you know, how you felt about it does play into it. So you might, unwillingly even, um, rate a game higher or lower just because of simple things that aggravated or made you happy. And I always think that to, you know, like, really, I just think we, we should we should take these things with a grain of salt and, you know, give them like a margin of error, almost like, like a political thing. You know, people say they're five points up five point margin of error. Well, what does that mean? You know, it's like, it's the same answer. Then it could be as low <laughs> yeah. as equal to, or not, you know? Um, I think, I think that's kingdoms little... of Amalar. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that was a great example. Like I remember when I was reading the review of it and in the one magazine, uh, I can't remember which one at the time was, this was a long time ago. You know, I had two reviews like side by side, two different magazines. And I remember one was like six out of 10 and one was like eight out of 10. And I'm like, you know, to myself, I know some people right now that would be a 6 out of 10, I'll never touch that. 8 out of 10, wow, that must be great. So that doesn't tell me anything technically. Yeah. That just made me interested, you know? <laughs> I was like, fuck, what is it, you know? Well, I, um, I did want to just make a point off of that. I think that what you just said uh, is the whole key to this, right? Taking every review with a grain of salt, unless you know the reviewer. Um, because I think, yeah, and I, I think that's another thing too. People want to look at for sure. That's, that's huge. Like people want to look at, it's like, Oh, IGN gave this game a 10. No, IGN did. not yeah. Somebody who works at IGN gave it a 10 and you, right. whether or not you agree with that is going to be based on do your taste align with that person, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's very similar to, you know, when people, you could cite something from Kotaku and they just roll their eyes and go, Oh, Kotaku, you know, it's not going to help if you just base everything like that. This is a human being writing a review for their thing. It's not the site. It's not the group. You know, maybe they're pushed in a direction. I don't know. Maybe they're pushed in a direction to say certain things. I don't believe that. But it's a person with their opinion on it. And if you like that person and resonate with them, you know, I, I personally like how critical Donkey is about stuff. He um, may not always give a review that I would agree with, but I appreciate his opinion on it because I like how he looks into certain things on games, you know? And, point, you know, him pointing out people saying, like, oh, it might look like this guy hates it 8 out of 10... I, I, I don't think anything about that, you know? It's just one paragraph in the review could be negative because it has negative parts. And the game could still be a 10 out of 10, you know, to that person. Like, a so, great example of that is something like, like know, The Walking Dead, right? The original Telltale game. If you care about that story, like, I think you could make a case that that game is, ex like, it's a 10 out of 10. It's such a great narrative or whatever, right? But, like, it's also a janky and broken game, which are things that you have to consider. Sure. And it's like, in my review of that game, that would be one paragraph, you know, versus... Uh, on uh if you just scroll down to the review number you'd see that as being one of the only one of the only negatives right and like that makes it seem more significant which is like like you said it's like you really just you have to know who you're dealing with and like what what their attitudes about games generally are and how much the things that bother them bother you and how much the things that work for them work for you and if you're just looking at the nebulous IGN gave it this it's kind of meaningless I mean, half of the Steam reviews for, for games that come out that are, are great are, like, you know, the pseudo-green-text stories where people are like, oh, like, you know, this game has, like, 90% positive, and half the reviews are just like, here's, here's like, one round I did, and, like, it's funny or something. And it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, that's a positive review. It didn't necessarily tell me anything. <laughs> um, you, could, you could have a thousand of them in a row, and the game, you know, I've seen games go up and down based on sales for, for reviews, you know, just because the price was lower or, or higher. just random you know? shit, too, right? Like, it's like, oh, like, yeah, like a patch. they patched it, and I don't like what they did in this patch, yeah. so we're going to flood them with negative reviews, or, you know, like, that happens. Solaris is the best example I can think of, because I know when the 2.0 patch came out, I saw that shit drop. Like, 
I haven't played it since 2.0 came out because I haven't really had time to get into it yet. But I mean, it it's 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 discouraging when you see that for a game, you know, when you're like, oh, I lo- I love this and I played it for so long, and then you see the reviews just tank on it, you know, it's like it affects the community for people who aren't going to go through and read it and try it for themselves. And it's not like Counter Strike Go, you know, it's like that could the game could not work for a year and people would still play it, you know. It doesn't matter when the things like those exist. Um, something smaller that is not necessarily, you know, um, it, it's just, it's, it's more of a, I think it's like a weeding process, you know, it really, I think also depends on, I, I really, I, I find this interesting that you guys have such in, uh, different opinions on it, because that's how I always assumed, you know, that there's gonna be one person out there who likes this thing, and one person who doesn't, and I'm just sitting in the middle going, fuck, I gotta figure this out myself, um, and I, I, I think that's actually, this is a perfect sample, you know, of, of any review for a game, <laughs> Because between the four of us, we always almost have, like, a usually, like, interesting point. Like, one, maybe even two, or even three might agree. But there's usually something in here between the four of us that's at least a different way to look at it. And that's just a small sample, right? Four people. I think, ultimately, one of the last things you said is is uh, what's always rung true for me, which is uh, think for yourself. I have literally never bought something or not bought something based on a review. It's never happened. I read reviews yeah, for entertainment. Yeah. And maybe that colors my opinion, but I, I'm just not influenced by what other people think. So I like to see what other people think because I'm compelled by other people's opinions, but ultimately it's not going to impact what I ever do. I have never cared. doesn't matter. Yeah, it's funny to me because... That uh, that has changed for me as games media has evolved. Because I would say I used to be like that when I only read I only read reviews for games I was already interested in, you know, or a game that I knew I wasn't gonna get, and I just wanted to see what people thought, or like I'm on the fence and like sell me one way or the other, right? Like it was always I'm looking at this with intent, and it's you know prove me right or prove me wrong, right? And and let me know what I should do uh, if I'm not sure. But, like, if there's a game I really want and it gets bad reviews, I still buy it and, and play it and see what I think about it, you know? Mass Effect and Andromeda. Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, you did that with Survive. I did that with Andromeda. Um, it happens, right? But I think something I have noticed is that now that it, we're in, you know, this, you know, new media, influencer age and all that kind of shit, like, I will check out a game if one of the guys at Kind of Funny recommends it and they say something that piques my interest. If it's like, oh, I played this game and it's this kind of game and it spoke to me for this reason, like it wasn't on my radar before, but it sounds good, I'll pick it up. Like I've done that with a couple games that I've been really, like Celeste. Celeste was a game I hadn't really seen or heard much about. One of their guys who is a huge platformer fan and I align with his tastes on platformers was like, this is one of the best platformers I've ever played. And I was like, well, then I have to try it. You know, like that, that's a, that's a ringing endorsement. I got to give it a shot, but that's not really a review. That's like, it, it feels more like a recommendation from somebody whose opinion I've grown to trust like rather a than, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Rather than a random, oh, IGN gave it a 10, so I must play it, you know? And let's, let's also be intellectually honest here because I feel like there's something missing from this conversation. A majority of the people who complain about the review score only do that because it didn't get the score they felt like it should have gotten or the score that they wanted it to get. And that has nothing to do at all with criticism. 
that is trolling, that is bullshit, and we pay pay way too much attention to people like that. I, some people just tank a game because a company made it and they don't like the company. I mean, you or could have EA the make box. the best games ever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, I mean, Battlefield Five probably got more crap than I've ever heard about because there was a woman on the cover. Like, oh, that's not the game. I, I think that's a that's it a has great nothing point, to John. do. That's a great point. Yeah. So, um, anybody have anything else? All right, so uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this whole review scores issues. If we started doing reviews here on the Video Game Pals and publishing them, would you want to see scores or not? Uh, so just email us at thevideogamespals at gmail.com. The Video Game Pals. There you right. go. <laughs> wow. I was like, was he going to catch this one on his own? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have if you didn't give me a look. Um, anyway, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this whole scores on reviews issue. If we started doing reviews, would you want us to put scores on them? Let us know. You can email us at the video game pals at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll read your letter on the air. If not, you can, um, I'm so tick, 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 tick. All right. So if you want to let us know how, <laughs> what you're thinking about those things that Andy said in other ways, you can hit us up in the comments down below. Follow us at the comics pals, wherever your social media is sold and hit us up. Uh, get us in the comment. I said that one already. You threw me off, Andy. <laughs> do I need to do this? Because uh... I'm contagious. We're everywhere. Follow us. Listen to us and write to us. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> like us on your platform of choice. If you're an audio listener, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us one of those sweet ratings. If you're a YouTube person, like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell so you know when these videos go live. And share the show with your friends. Boom. 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 I like, I like how... Sean silently mouthed the word boom after I said that. <laughs> so what if our wonderful listeners out there want to hear more from you personally? Sean, where can they find you? All at? right. Well, uh, you can listen to me and Pete on the Comics Pals, which posts the day before this. This week, we talked all about Captain Marvel because beep, 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 beep. Entertainment Weekly dropped their Captain Marvel-centric issue. We got a lot of information out of that, so a uh, big conversation about that movie over there. Uh, so you can check that out. And of course, for me, if you want more from me, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. Talk to me about Spider-Man or World of Warcraft because of the those are the only things happening in my life right now. Hell yeah. Damn. So what about you, Pete? Word. If you guys want to catch me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on the Comics Pals with Sean. Uh, Thompson and I do a little Let's Play show called Pals Play, which has been asleep for a bit, but I think we're going to come back strong with some Spidey vids this week, so go check that shit out. Uh, and you can also catch my writing over on LoopPots.com, where I uh, am a part of their news and reviews team. So if you want to go read some of my game reviews, you can go do that. Uh, I should have a new one coming out this week. Um, and then I'm going to do this because it makes Sean laugh, pimping my SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash the Jetpack Advantage. Go listen to my lo-fi hip-hop beats and my chip tunes. Do you guys use uh, review score? I'm just genuinely curious. We do. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about doing that? Um, I don't like it. Uh, just because I like <laughs> I wrote a thousand word review and then it was like, okay, translate that into a number, and I was like, I don't fucking know. So I went with the number that had the word attached to it that felt the most appropriate, and it was like, it's fine, and I was like, yeah, it was fine, okay. 
<laughs> I find that really interesting because we put review numbers on our movie reviews on the podcast, but okay. Well, yeah, but that's just because you ask me. You know, you're like, what would what would the number be? And I'm like, all right, yeah, I could, I could do it. I'm not incapable. It's well, just... they, they also asked you. Yeah, and I did it. <laughs> but you said you don't like it. Well, I don't. <laughs> okay. I'm just hearing there's a series of things that you're doing you don't want to do. That's what I heard as well, Tom's. <laughs> I'm playing the game, brother. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I said, I'm not anti-review numbers. I just prefer not. You sounded pretty anti about So, Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I guess it's me. Uh, you can you can follow me at Relic Vampire on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Pals Play, too. But guess what? I'm not there right now. So, hopefully, we'll do something. Um, you know, maybe we'll do some Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I don't know. If not, why don't you go check out Spidey Vids? Spidey Vids. Perfect. Yeah. If not, why don't you go check out some of the old ones? Because we have a lot of old ones. I worked kind of hard on them. You know, I blood, sweat, and tears, and 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 uh, you know, make it worthwhile for me. Put some views into them. Uh, Tom, I worked kind yeah. of hard on them. Ringing endorsement. <laughs> if if anything about creating these videos editing these videos or just playing video games with pete is causing you to bleed you should probably stop doing it in that fashion actually i recommend you keep well doing it. i feel like there's a you way know how to I play do video this games. without losing blood is there no, i play video games till i bleed <laughs> <laughs> so i'm a, the only way i'm able to beat them right so i don't um I play video games like a normal person. You can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. I'm happy to talk about playing video games without blood on your hands. Um, or pirates. Because I really like pirates and literally nobody has taken me up on this. Yarr. Of course not. You know why, right? Uh, because, because they're afraid that I would make them all my There's matey. such an unpopular topic they're, that no, you can't. I think, I honestly, I think it's that the, the pals at home are like, dude, I just, I, I can't take Sean hating me. You know, like, if I make, if I talk about pirates, <laughs> I'm going to lose all his respect. What am I going to do with myself? How am I going to get out of bed in the morning? It could be a private DM. Doesn't even have to be public. <laughs> I would never know. Just slide right slide into my into DMs, Andy's to, talk DMs to talk about pirates, everybody. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Alrighty. So that's going to wrap it up here for us on episode 71 of the Video Games Pals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care.